You're listening to NGSC Sports Radio. Hear us live on NGSCSports.com where you can get awesome analysis for all things sport. Or check out our podcasts on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, iTunes, TuneIn, and much more. For our latest videos, head to NGSC Sports' YouTube channel. Follow us on Twitter at NGSC Sports and like us on Facebook. NGSC Sports. We never stop. I don't know when he became Irish. Um, welcome. Welcome to episode 358 of the Afford Affair podcast, as I do terrible, terrible accents here. Uh, my name is Edward Green. Join as always with McCall and Crime West Bradshaw. He's back from an international break of his own as we plunge into an international break over in Europe. Um, so yeah. He's an unnamed announcer! <laughs> oh, nobody will understand that reference. It's fine. Um, Man, I will never be an unnamed announcer. I'm I'm Wes Bradshaw. Then keep keep I, that name everywhere. I own, I own that shit, man. <laughs> we, have, uh, we have a few Premier League matches to talk about. Uh, we have a Champions League draw to get to for the quarterfinals. Very exciting there. Uh, we will casually go over the FA Cup uh, quarterfinals. Um, and we'll even talk a little, little, little bit about uh, FIFA World Cup qualifying, which is taking place during this international break uh, for the 2022 World Cup in uh, the death zone, a.k.a. Qatar. And uh, we'll also have a little bit of news and notes uh, watch for, and uh, mm-hmm. and then we'll wrap up the pod, and we'll probably pimp the athletic while we're at it. Um, as always, the podcast is presented by NGSC Sports at NGSCSports.com. We never stop. Um, never stop, never stop in the English Premier League uh, mm-hmm. as they head into international break. A very brief week, uh, as on Friday, Leeds got past Fulham 2-1. It was our Fina goal in the 58th minute. That was the difference maker, which prevents Fulham from climbing out of the relegation zone. And they are starting to run out of time just a little bit. Um, on Saturday, Brighton and Hove did a good job of trying to secure their safety. Uh, Leandro Trussard, Danny Welbeck, it's Welb's team now, and Neil Maupay all scored. For Brighton as they win 3-0 over Newcastle, who desperately need points to keep ahead of Fulham in that relegation battle. And then on Sunday, uh, a dominating performance for the first half hour saw West Ham jump out on Arsenal 3-0 before they gave it all back in the second half and drew 3-3. Because it wasn't... That's like the story of this season for both these teams, I feel. Arsenal were terrible in the first half and then sprang to life in the second and still couldn't win. Uh, So points split there at the Olympic Stadium. And then uh, Tottenham putting their no good, terrible, horrible week behind them and getting two nil victory over Aston Villa. Carlos Vinicius with his first 
Premier League goal of the season. And Harry Kane put it away in the 68th minute with a penalty strike. Uh, so that was pretty much your Premier League for the week. There's not a whole lot else as we hit the international break. So, uh, so yeah, that, that was that was pretty much it. And obviously there's nothing coming up this next weekend. Um, so, yeah, there you go. Um, how does that impact the table? Uh, Tottenham did jump up to just three points behind Chelsea with uh, nine matches to play. Obviously, Chelsea looking much, 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 much better. So it will still be very difficult for Spurs to climb over Chelsea as well as West Ham to try and get into one of those top four spots. The rest of the top four remains unchanged as it's City, United, Leicester, and Chelsea. At the bottom of your heart, the relegation zone. Newcastle still up two points on Fulham as Fulham are trying desperately to escape. And don't forget, that last match of the season will be against between those two teams. So if it's close, could be, could be a very fun final day of the Premier League season. Um, and hey, Tottenham avoided relegation this year. Yay. Um, so yeah. with that... With that, let's, uh, let's dive into the Champions League West and look at some of these, you know... We, we talked about when the round of 16 matchups came out and we were like, you know, if pretty much all the favorites win, we could see some insane quarterfinal matchups. And we have quite a few good ones here out of the four. Um, the first one, Man City versus Dortmund. Now you think like this should be pretty city favored, but you have to remember their history in the round of eight has not been very good over the past four or five years. Um, nope. So that and Dortmund, you know, could be could be a little banana peel on their track there. Uh, Porto, nope. who uh, got past Juventus, will be taking on one of the hottest teams in Europe in Chelsea. Uh, Bayern Munich versus PSG, which was the finals last year. And then Real Madrid-Liverpool, the finals from three years ago. And you know Liverpool has revenge on their mind for that one. So, Wes, this is... This is a smorgasbord of ties that will be starting on April 6th. Oh, my goodness. I'm I'm excited about it because, as you folks know, in Europe's the only competition that really matters this year. Of course. So. <laughs> of course. Ooh, Champions League's the only one that matters. Yeah, Europa um, doesn't even matter. It's just Champions League. Seriously, yeah. I mean, Europa. I mean, who's even that now? I mean, you're not watching Europa. <laughs> Why would I? It's a garbage no, competition for garbage teams. I mean, you know, now that uh, Stevie G's Rangers were uh, unceremoniously um, racially abused on the way out of Europe, I mean, what use do I have for the Europa League this year? Uh, absolutely none is the final answer there. Uh, I mean, there's not even a Zlatan left to grace the stage of Europa. So, you know, it's garbage. Whatever. It's all about the Champions League. At least, I mean, you know, uh, they went ahead and also did the draw for the semifinal matchups. Yes. In the Champions League. And... There is definitely a, on paper, stronger end of this. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, of course, the the winner of the uh, City-Dortmund matchup is going to be taking on the winner of the Bayern Munich-PSG matchup, mm-hmm. uh, while the winner of uh, Chelsea-Porto is going to be taking on the uh, winner of um, <clears throat> of the Liverpool. Jesus, of all, really? of all people to just how we're playing. Yeah. <laughs> Whoever Real Madrid is. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's their first time here. I don't know. I've heard them once. But, um, you know, the, the, that winner is going to take on each other. So, 
the favorite for this competition definitely coming out of that i guess we'll call it top bracket mm-hmm. um Dortmund, P- uh, Dortmund PSG. Bayern PSG is a fantastic matchup. Uh, rematch of the final a year ago. Um, this time over two legs. And I think two legs sometimes can be the great equalizer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm really, really intrigued by that matchup. Uh, you would kind of think Munich. Well, Munich is your favorite in it, but. At the same time, when you've got Mbappe and you've got Neymar, you never know. You you've definitely got a fighting chance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll put it that way. You you've got a gunslinger's chance with those two. Um, that's going to be fantastic. Uh, you've got to figure City. Well, here's the problem. Like you said, we figured City will take care of the round of eight with no problem in the past, and it doesn't happen. Um, Dortmund are. God, Dortmund are so hit and miss. Um, you know, obviously you've got Erling Holland. You've got so much good young talent at Dortmund. The problem is they don't really seem to put it together when they need to a lot of the time. Uh, they did get through into this round of eight, which was an awesome job for them. But I don't know if um, Erling Holland and uh, Jaden Sancho and all the other kinder care kids are going to be ready. <laughs> Uh, for Pep Guardiola and what is, let's put it this way, probably a much more well-rounded Manchester City than what we've seen of recent vintage. Um, They they finally decided, wow, maybe we should play defense as well as attack. Crazy. Crazy idea. So now I expect Pep to, you know, um, play a double (laughs) low block and, you know, leave Sterling as the only man in their side of the field. We play. We play five four one. Five four one. We play five five. No need striker. We'll just go to penalties. Jeez. Um. So I mean, that's a good one. You know, down the bottom, Chelsea Porto is actually a pretty damn intriguing matchup. Uh, Porto completely outplayed Juventus over two legs. Mm-hmm. Um. And they, everybody says, oh, that's the team everybody wanted. I don't know. In the past, yeah, I'd say it, but Porto were just, they were really impressive. They've been really impressive in this European tournament so far. Mm-hmm. And playing against Chelsea, Chelsea are on a really good run right now with uh, Tommy Tuchel uh, coming in. Not, hasn't lost a match yet. Um, interesting. Chelsea's definitely your favorite, but that's that's an, that's an interesting matchup that I think people need to keep an eye on a little more than they're going to because that's that's obviously out of four matchups, that's the <clears throat> least glamorous out of them all. Yeah. Now, you've got a really nice glamour tie <laughs> uh, down at the bottom one. Liverpool, Real Madrid, uh, you know, Real Madrid, the most European titles ever. Liverpool with six of them. They're one behind AC Milan for second all-time, tied for third with Bayern Munich. Um a rematch of the 2018, 2018, 2019, 2018, 19 was right, awesome. right, and 20 was COVID year, yeah, okay, okay, yeah. <laughs> Jeez, don't worry. Uh, 2018 rematch of that one, um, a lot of people say, oh, this is the revenge match for Ramos, uh, mm. 
I don't think Liverpool's too worried about getting revenge on Sergio Ramos. The best revenge that Liverpool could ever get on Sergio Ramos is to knock him out in the round of eight. Yes. That's what you got to do. Liverpool, we're just starting to heat up when the international break hit. Is it going to be a good thing? Is it going to be a bad thing? I really can't tell you. Um, If anything, it's going to give maybe a chance to recharge some batteries. Who knows? Maybe it gets uh, Sadio Mane. Uh, back working the way he's supposed to work. Um, the Mane, Jota, Salah front line uh, looks like it, it has a lot of potential to be really, really dangerous. Fabinho back in midfield has reset this team. Um, I'm not going to lie and tell you I'm not worried about uh, Ozan Kabak and Nat Phillips. <laughs> um, back. Central central defensive pair going against freaking Real Madrid. So I'm not gonna lie and say I'm not a little nervous about that, but same time Liverpool are really good in these two in these two leg knockout rounds. Um, yeah, as considered, they've only been knocked out once in the knockout rounds um, in the home leg knockout ties since Klopp's been there. Um, on paper, Madrid's your favorite. I think that's a toss up. Uh, or the great equalizer. There, there will be no burnabout. There will be no um, full crowd at Anfield. That that sucks. Yeah. God, can you imagine? Can you imagine the the vitriol and noise that will be coming at Ramos at, at Anfield? Oh, worse, worse, worse than ten Raheem Sterling's. Oh man, I mean they've been they've been howling for the blood of Sergio Ramos <laughs> since that night in 2018. And now they finally get him there. And nobody understands. Go ahead with what you were going to say, man. Um, I was actually going to say, do you think Real Madrid is the on-paper favorite? I think so. Um, I mean, they're they're having a much better league season than Liverpool are having. Um, you know, when it comes to it, they've got Benzema up front, who's been having a good season. They still got Ramos at the back. Uh, I think on paper they're still going to be your favorite just because Liverpool have been scuffling so bad this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, honestly, Liverpool, they've played a couple of good games in a row now. That's really their entire track record for 2021. <laughs> yeah. Now, hopefully those are going to be the ones that are getting things turned around, but, I mean, that's just the track record right now. All right. Um, then let's look at these four, and as you mentioned – uh, the winner of Bayern PSG plays the winner of City Dortmund. Real Madrid Liverpool winner plays the winner of Porto Chelsea. Um, what are what are your predictions then moving forward? Where where who do you look to see in the semifinals and maybe even try to project it out to the finals? I remember you texted me your uh, your final prediction uh, when this when the the draw was first announced. But I'm curious if over time you've maybe changed your thought or if you're gonna you're gonna keep with it. Yeah, give him a hot take. <laughs> Spipe it up. I I don't have them in front of me. I can't remember what they are. Uh, Just off the top of my head looking at this. Um, City, Bayern. I think Bayern knock off City, go to the final. Um, You know me, I go with my heart. Uh, But like I said, I think it's a total toss-up. I think Liverpool can beat Real. I mean, at this point, I'm not going to go against Liverpool. We'll just put it that way. (laughs) I think Liverpool knock off Real. Um, I think Chelsea are pushed to the deck on a limit against Porto. 
I mean, they're going to be like, Jesus, just get us out of here. Uh, but I think they'll, I think they'll come up with something late and win that one, um, which gives us a rematch three times. It was the semifinal um, of the European Cup back in the 2000 era <laughs> of Liverpool and Chelsea. Uh, Liverpool won it in 05, won in 07, lost in 08 to Chelsea at this stage of the competition. Uh, I think this year, I, I just, I think this Liverpool team, for all their shortcomings in the league, they seem to be gelling and getting Fabinho back in that midfield makes them very dangerous. And I think that over the group that Thomas Tuchel has, I just I think Liverpool are built to win these two leg ties. I just think they're built for them. So I think Liverpool knocks off. Um, I think Liverpool knocks off Chelsea. It it, it might not be the prettiest two legged tie you'll ever see, <laughs> um, but I think Liverpool gets them. And then you have God Klopp once again taking on Bayern in the European Cup final. Uh, I think you get Liverpool Bayern this year, which I think is what everybody kind of wanted last year. Yes. Until, you know, until COVID demolished everything and not taking anything away from Atletico, who had already knocked Liverpool out of the competition by the time COVID went crazy. But I think if if everything had stayed normal in 2020, I think that was what everyone thought and kind of wanted to see as your final last year. Mm. So I think you get it this year. The heart says Liverpool in that one. The head does not say Liverpool in that one. <laughs> uh, but, you know, obviously me being me, I go with uh, that little bit of red magic. The fact that uh, it sounds like in Istanbul there are going to be fans in the stands mm. for the final. Um, if that happens, you know, you're going to have a lot of a lot of Liverpool fans who are just ready to – Absolutely lose their shit for one night in Istanbul. It's happening again. Happening again. It's happening again. <laughs> and um, of course, of course, Ed, when this happens, because mm-hmm. keep this in my keep this in my, my calendar. <laughs> uh, the final is on May the 29th. Mm-hmm. On May the 25th, Ed, we celebrate 16 years since that one night at Stevie G's Istanbul. Oh my goodness. I mean, it just it just seems like you know, and and that was another year where Liverpool did not have a good league season. Um, as we are right now, they finished outside of the top four. Uh, they were facing uh, the the blue blood of European football at that time, AC Milan, who had just won it the year before or two years before. I think they won it two years before. Um, now with that team, that was a that was an AC Milan team that they, although they would win it two years later against Liverpool and Athens actually in two thousand seven, that was a team that was in kind of their swan song mm-hmm. for being a great dominant European team. Um, and this Bayern team, I'm not going to say Bayern's in their swan song by any means, but you know this is a Bayern team that's been together a good little while, and um, they they would definitely be the big favorites. I think they'd be big favorites over Liverpool going into the final. So, yeah, there'd be a little bit of precedent, you know, as Liverpool fans, we're always looking to connect something. So, I, uh, that is what you had as your hot take on the. Oh, okay. Those are the hot takes. I don't think they're that hot, really. I mean, the only, to me, I mean, out of that group, the only one that could be somewhat considered an upset is, I guess, if you have Real over Liverpool. So, yeah. 
you know, um, yeah. I am. Uh, I'm smoking hot as I'll I I am fascinated to see now how this Chelsea team, because again, you know, they they got past Atletico a little bit easier than we expected them to, and this was a team that when if you know when the initial draw came out for the quarter uh, the round of sixteen, you know, way back in December when Frank Lampard was still in charge, we were like, eh, you know, this is this is probably easy money for Atletico here. Um, and he has turned them around, and this would certainly be a big test for them. Um, Porto and then either Real Madrid or Liverpool over two legs, those teams um, who are, you know, for, for all the faults that both those two teams have had somewhat in their, their league season to varying extents, um, this is a competition both those teams and a lot of those players know very well at this point. So I think that would be a gigantic test for that Chelsea team uh, mm-hmm. if they do get past Porto, whoever they would play. Um, right. But my, my hot take to you was on, on that morning when it first came out, I thought a hot take final would be City-Chelsea. Um, mm. With City oh. getting past Bayern uh, in, in the semifinals and then Chelsea getting past Liverpool. Yes, that means I think we're going to have three English teams in the semis, which is oh, it's nuts. It's, Sorry, you UEFA. Yeah. Uh, it's 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 three English teams versus the Germans again. That's that's just how it is. Um, Two yeah. world wars and one World Cup. <laughs> I think you you kind of alluded to it earlier. This is a somewhat different city team, which seems to be a little more balanced in their mm-hmm. defense. Um, and that that seems like if Pep doesn't overthink it, and and for all the memes and for all the Pep lovers out there. There is a fair bit of truth to the fact that he overthinks Champions League knockout stages. It's impossible to explain, but he just he does it. Uh, if he doesn't do it this time, I think there is a very real chance City makes the final. And I think Chelsea, if they keep this form going, I think they are defensively minded and adaptable enough to get to the final as well. I think I think this is a fascinating final eight teams though, uh, and I am very excited to see how this plays out because, it, it, like, I would pick right now, Bayern, City, uh, Liverpool, and Chelsea, and if you came to me like a month later and was like, nope, every one of those picks is wrong, I'd be like, mm-hmm. yeah, okay, sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's fair. Why not? Um, so I I think we have four very even matches, um, and and I think part of the evenness is obviously City's struggles in the quarterfinals in in recent years, and just the fact that Porto has been strong in this 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 cup, and Chelsea mm-hmm. are still fairly new with some of their players in this competition. So yeah, I I think I think this is going to be a fascinating quarterfinals, and again that starts. On April 6th, uh, those first two matches are going to be City, Dortmund, and Madrid, and Liverpool. Um, so those those will kick us off. And those are back-to-back week matches. So we'll be covering those then. Um, Europa League happened. Uh, Arsenal will be playing Slavia Prague in the next round. Manchester United will be playing Granada. Cool. Screw sure. you, Slavia Prague. Even your race-baiting assholes. Seriously, that whole Eastern Bloc, man. That whole Eastern Bloc. 
Eastern Europe just doesn't get it. They don't get what? They don't get it. 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 It's um, not hard. Don't be racist. It's not hard, folks. I'm from the South, and I get it. Don't be a racist. It's not hard. It's not hard. We keep going over this every week, Eastern Europe. It's really not that hard. Don't. Just, you know, uh, look, you know, know, I've been watching my Seinfelds, right? Mm -hmm. Season six, which is the one where George gets the job with the Yankees. How does George do it? goes against every one of his natural reactions of this is how I treat things. He goes against every single one of them and things turn out better for him. <laughs> so when you're like, oh, let me call someone a monkey or let me do whatever the hell they did to this Rangers player, just stop and think, no, let me do the opposite. Let me not be a piece of shit of a human being. Folks, I'm West nice. Brad. Just trying to improve race relations around the world. Hooray! You're you're doing you're doing the Lord's work, Wes. I am. I am. I am. You know, uh, Jules from Pulp Fiction was really doing the Lord's work. So if I need to go out there with a with a Desert Eagle, get me in. Oh man! Well, um, as we head to the FA Cup quarterfinals, um, Southampton got past Bournemouth. Uh, 3-0, Nathan Redmond with a brace there. City keeps its quadruple hopes alive uh, with two late goals versus Everton from Gundogan and De Bruyne. Uh, Chelsea put Sheffield United in the ground with a 2-0 victory of their own. And Leicester, plucky permanent Leicester, got past United 3-1. Kalichi Iheanacho becoming a stone-cold assassin. Before our eyes here, as they take out uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's men 3-1 at the KP, uh, which sets up Leicester Southampton for one semifinal and Chelsea versus Man City on the other. Two, two fairly disparate ties. Leicester's place in the league right now, notwithstanding. Um, so yeah, that will be on April 17th, 18th. Woo. Yeah! I mean, I guess, I guess, I guess Chelsea could beat City. I guess Chelsea could beat City. Sure. My thing, especially in England right now, man, City just look really locked in. Yeah. I just, I, I think it's literally going to take someone like Byron. That, I think Byron might be like the only team that can keep City from winning Europe and winning everything this year. Oh, God. All, all. Th- 30 City fans will be absolutely insufferable if they win the quadruple this year. My God. All 30 real City fans and the millions and millions of Internet City fans will just be ridiculous. <laughs> Gosh, uh, I cannot wait to hear, if we win title, we do it over loser pool of our... What? That's just those are most of the comments I see. So. Uh, do, do you remember the time Stevie G slipped? Haha, <laughs> that was a funny... TVG fall. I don't watch football then, but I see it on a video. <laughs> yeah, how does it feel to be made fun of Eastern Europe? How does it feel? Yeah, it Eastern Europe and other places. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All Star right. Child. Jesus. Uh, FIFA World Cup qualifications going on, um, which means around the world. Uh, 
uh, Conmebol as well as every other region is going. Conmebol, of course, is the you know big one we always look at because it's usually like a frigging death match over there where the top five advance uh, with the top four getting automatic qualification. Uh, right now, just four matches in. Um, and uh, I think this is, yeah, it's double round robin, so it's still like 14 matches to play there. Brazil and Argentina on top over there, but Ecuador and Paraguay uh, currently 3-4, and Chile and Colombia needing to uh, pick up the pace to get back in there. Uh, we can take a peek over at UEFA right now, and uh, as we're recording this on Wednesday night, not every group has has kicked off their qualifying yet. Uh, Portugal did get off to a win. Belgium overcame an early goal from Wales to, to cruise to a victory there. Um, but Wes, the, the, the freaky deaky Dutch, maybe the surprise of the first day, losing four, a 4-2 banger to Turkey. Um, as, uh, as we thought, you know, Netherlands, they did good in that whatever Euro League of Nations European whatever thing. League of Nations. Thank you, Woodrow Wilson. <laughs> I don't know what it's called. Um, that they they did pretty well in that. We're like Netherlands are back, baby. Um, but yeah, pretty, pretty unfortunate defeat there. So so Frank De Boer. Well, two then. two huge things for the Netherlands. A no Van Dyke. B they have De Boer. Yeah, and we'll get into both those things as we hit the news and notes in, in a moment. But uh, but uh, obviously uh, England will be taking to to the pitch, and uh, will hopefully not be racially abused anywhere. Yes, we're, we're, uh, without Trent Alexander Arnold. Yeah, yeah. So that's what I was gonna. Say. Uh, I was gonna ask any thoughts, you know, with, with stuff like that happening. Any thoughts on England? Um, obviously very much the favorite to still win their group and come out. But um, any thoughts they have, let's see, they have Poland next week and who, and then they have uh, San Marino tomorrow. Um, so any thoughts on England in general right now or, you know, player selection or, or anything like that? All I'm going to say mm-hmm. is Gareth Southgate. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just this time saying, well, you know, you wanted to see some other guys. You know what you've got in Trent Alexander-Arnold. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say this for Gareth Southgate. If he don't take Trent to Euros, hey, Gareth, you done fucked up. And England will not win Euros. And then you know I've been on this whole England will win Euros. Yes, you have. If he fucks up and don't take Trent Alexander, freaking Arnold. Maybe pound for pound, but that's right back in the world. That's right, I said. You done fucked up, Gareth. But I'm going to give you a little pass right here, right now. I need a pass. But uh, Gareth Southgate is um, he, he is playing a dangerous game right now. Dude. He's playing a dangerous game. With you, you, didn't, you didn't want to see the Kyle Walker, John Stones, Harry Maguire back three for England? <laughs> Well, my, my favorite part is he talks about, well, form, and then he takes Kieran Trippier, who hasn't played in, like, almost three months hardly because he got banned for gambling. Which is still bullshit, but yes. Yes, it was, but still, he hadn't played three months. Oh, yeah, yes. well, Trent's not playing well. It's like, well, Trippier ain't playing at all. Oh, it makes no sense. 
So it's like it's like everyone everyone they just hate Liverpool is all it is. They hate us. So I did read an article about it. I believe I believe it was Michael Cox who put one out on the Athletic about it. Um, and what it sounds like, and it's what it sounds like is uh, Gareth Southgate. Unfortunately, that press conference did not do a very good job explaining it. Uh, something he has made clear in the past is he he wants people who are good on an, in their England for. And so apparently in their estimation, uh, Alexander-Arnold has not been good for England the last couple times he has taken the pitch, um, which which seems to have sort of been the case in their last couple matches. I think one was against Belgium, um, and maybe there was another one. Um, so I think when, they, when, they, when he is talking about Foreman, unfortunately he did not explain clearly, that is the thought, is that they actually mean who, is, who has been playing well for England. So I am very worried when you say things like, uh, "I'm I if if Southgate doesn't take Trent Alexander Arnold, he done fucked up." I up. still think he's gonna take him. I still think he's gonna take. I don't think he's not going to take him to Euros. I think I there's been. I think there's definitely been some backlash on him that he wasn't expecting. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. it's not just Liverpool fans of Arnold; it's other people around the country going like, "Wait, what?" It's like. This kid absolutely demolishes all of us all the time. What do you mean you're not taking him? Mm. I mean, you know, people aren't completely stupid all the time. So I, I don't know. I, I could see a world where, because, because I, if correct me if I'm wrong, and I'm more than happy to be wrong. Uh, I believe this is the last international break before Euros. That's correct. So, I. Mm, Part of me is thinking like this. This is this is kind of where you want to put out the squad that you're going to go to war with in a couple months. And I can go. I'm. Mm, I I I think I think the next couple of months are going to be very big for Trent Alexander Arnold because I truly believe if he has a couple of months like he has had for a, the majority of the past roughly year now i think there is a very legitimate chance southgate just says nah no thank you sir we will we will we will see you for world cup qualifiers in a couple months um absolutely insane i the dude the man can make the fifa 11 <laughs> what do you can't make I think he did on the year they won. No, I mean, I mean, like, I mean, but would he right now? That's my that's my question. Not not did he because nobody's. Yeah, I don't think right at the moment because he hasn't been the rest right back in the world this year. I think a lot of though, um, Trent has suffered like the rest of that team has suffered. I mean, really, the loss of Van Dyke and Gomez has changed his role. Change what he's been able to do. Um, and he's had to come through and adjust. And really the last month, six weeks, Trent's been playing well. The numbers aren't what they were, but that's because Liverpool aren't finishing for whatever reason. But really in the last month, especially, Trent's been Trent's back on his game. That's what really surprised me. You know, Trent's been back on his game recently. So, Do you think he stays in the back? Um... Because I remember I when was, he first came out and you were talking about him, you really uh, envisioned him almost like a 
not not directly new direct comparison but like a gareth bale where he starts as kind of like a wingback right. defender and eventually moves up into the more attacking right. position um do you right. still think that that's a possibility for him i definitely think it's a possibility i mean when we look at trent he's 22 i think I mean, I think we sometimes forget just how young Trent Arnold really is. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he's still he's still like the young player <laughs> for that horrible, horrible award. Um, <clears throat> I mean, he still qualifies for that for another few years. Uh, I, I think if Liverpool weren't as good as Liverpool are, that Trent would already be in midfield. That and the fact that he's just – he's taken – you know, the way Klopp plays his fullbacks, they're basically like midfielders. Just the way they position and the way they push forward, they're like attacking midfielders. So it works being the right back at Liverpool right now under Jurgen Klopp. Um, in three years, we'll see. When he's 24, 25 years old, they might step him up in the midfield, especially if there's, some, if there's another good right back coming through. You know, then you can free that spot up and you can move Trent back to a place where he could really excel. I mean, we've seen Trent. He's a great free kick taker. He's probably He might be Liverpool's best free kick taker of them. Um, he's a fantastic passer of the ball, and he's got a goal in him. So I, I do think there's a future in midfield for Trent Alexander-Arnold and a really good future in midfield for Trent. Okay. Oh. We'll, uh, we'll see how Ingerlin does in these this next week of qualifiers. Obviously, the San Marino one should be fine. That, that, uh, go ahead. Said they're fucking up. <laughs> <laughs> and that uh, that Poland one will be will be a, will be a good little test uh, as Poland oh, yeah. obviously looks to be the the second best team in that group. Um, let's hit the news and notes now. And uh, as per the Athletic, here coming out uh, earlier today. Um, in, from the department of, you love to see it, even if it doesn't make total sense. Uh, Sepp Blatter handed second FIFA ban for financial wrongdoing. Yay. We got him again, everyone. Um, oh man. Uh, this is a, this is a new punishment that's been announced six years and eight months from football. Um, Former Secretary Jerome Valke has also also got the same punishment. Uh, Blatter is now 85, and according to the Athletic, uh, is in poor health. He had COVID, and uh, he was also in a coma for for a week after heart surgery in December. Um, so yeah, uh, probably this is this is it for him. I, I don't know if they're just going to keep doing this as long as he keeps staying alive, but. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's pretty interesting. Um, sure, I'm sure he's sitting at home with his millions of dollars devastated. I know. <laughs> poor, poor man, poor man. Um, what do you know about this hundred pound mark? <laughs> I love one of these comments. Can he take Mark Emmert and Rob Manfred with him? Jesus, I was literally sitting here thinking, can Mark Emmert uh, go hang out? <laughs> God, Mark, oh, Mark Emmert's the worst. Oh, uh, so so here's a question, and then we'll get we'll get into the, the rest of the news. Is Mark Emmert worse than every other pro sport commissioner in America? 
Would he be? Is he the worst of the five? I think Adam Silver is far and away the best. Sure. Um. God, Roger Goodell's just completely power drunk. Manfred, I, I'm not quite ready to crucify Rob Manfred like a lot of people are. Mm-hmm. I don't agree with everything Rob Manfred's done by any means, but I, I, I think Rob Manfred is at least trying to, trying to do something to help baseball. Mm-hmm. He's not just trying to do something to help Rob Manfred. Mm-hmm. Um, who, who's my other one? You said five. Uh, Gary Bettman, NHL. I have no opinion of Gary Bettman. <laughs> he might as well be a Division three college down the road from my house. <laughs> Um, and then there's Mark Emmer, yeah, who literally is like so detached and can't figure out like anything. God, I mean the the whole thing this week now with like the weight facilities mm-hmm. at the NCAA tournament. Between, did you hear about that between the men's and the women's facilities? Oh yeah, I saw the uh, the the TikTok video the. Brianna, uh, the Oregon player. I, I, I'm, I'm going to fuck up her name if I try to say it. So the Oregon women's right, basketball yeah. player that said it. Yeah. Yeah. Which, no, honestly, don't don't get me wrong. I, I think I'd rather, like, drop a 10-pound weight on my toe than watch any of the women's basketball tournament. But that doesn't mean that mm-hmm. they don't deserve Absolutely. <laughs> as much as the next one. I mean, really, I'd drop a three-pound weight on my toe before I really watched any of the men's basketball tournament this year. Um, I mean, it's just the NCAA is, like, so detached from reality. And Mark Emmert's the head of it. And Mark Emmert's a fucking joke. And the NCAA is a fucking joke. Um, I think Emmert and Goodell are just sitting right there, you know, smoking cigars together. Like, what can we fuck up next? Oh man, so I think. Yeah, I think I think Emmert might be the worst. He really I, might be. At least Goodell knows what he's doing. Goodell's just an asshole. Yeah, that that that's what I think it is. I think Goodell a long time ago dropped the facade of like besides besides on draft night when people have to pretend to be friends with him and, and like him yeah. and for the cameras. I think everyone knows, and Goodell doesn't pretend. That he's not an asshole and that he's in the pocket of the the, the 32 owners. Exactly. Um, Emmert. Emmert still tries to be this like, oh, the NCAA is a is an is a civilized institution for for academic athleticism achievement and and the sanctity of 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 amateur athletics and and that means you can't get paid for shit. And I, I think that's I think there's that's what puts him over the top. Is is that he tries to still be this holier than thou motherfucker, and he's clearly it's a, it's not. Absolute hypocrisy that puts him on the top. It's, it's I mean, when you have one of your programs get sponsored by Rocket Mortgage, did you hear about that? I didn't hear about that. Okay, let me pull it up. I know, I know, we're totally going off soccer. Sorry, everybody. Um, um, do 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 do. I I saw this. I saw this and I couldn't believe my eyes. Please tell me. Um, okay, they're not doing it anymore. Um, that's that's really disappointing. Um, 
<laughs> That's disappointing, even though it's the right call. Um, so on a couple weeks ago, uh, just before the NCAA basketball tournament, uh, the school announced a five-year deal with Rocket Mortgage to be the presenting sponsor of the basketball team. So that the basketball team was going to be called the Michigan State Spartans presented by Rocket Mortgage. Jesus Christ. That Who was going That was their name. I Is Tom Izzo awake up there? I mean, Jesus, you're Tom Izzo, dude. You're like one of the you're like one of the blue bloods of college basketball. I mean, I'd expect this from like, no offense, Illinois State or something. Mm-hmm. Or somebody out of Cleveland, because isn't that where Rocket Mortgage is? Or is that that's quick and lens, I guess? Uh yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah. I'm gonna say NIL NIL is going to be a minefield from hell for the NCAA. I'm okay with it, don't get me wrong, but oh, same. this these early years of you know, I mean it is gonna be absolute insanity watching this shit go down. I I think it is amazing how fast this has started to roll. Once the players, and I think this is mostly because of COVID, it, it was a little bit because of the the Black Lives Matter that happened a little bit uh, like during summer last year too. But I think mostly because of COVID, I think players all of a sudden realized that they had way more power than they thought they did. Oh yeah, and and now that they've realized that they have this power, they're like, oh, oh, we can actually force change now because. Because we're the talent, we, we and 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 if you want to win national titles, if you're if you're the star point guard at you know Michigan State, at Duke, at Kentucky, you can affect change because it's not like they can just go out and say, oh, well, we'll just recruit this three star. No, you need those five star recruits. You need them. You need them. So this is oh, this is fantastic. I I am so ready for the NCAA just to burn to the ground. It's. It's going to be so much fun to watch. Well, and, and what you're talking about, the player power, um, I'm going to touch on a little bit of that when we do our um, our athletic stories. Excellent. Cannot wait. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, we got one more story. Um, as you mentioned earlier, um, Virgil van Dyke not in the lineup for Holland, uh, as per Ali Humayun over at The Athletic. Oh. Um, and now more um, disappointing for them, as well as potentially for Liverpool moving forward throughout the rest of the year, uh, that Frank DeBoer is not counting on Virgil van Dyke for Euro 2020. Excuse me. Um, and so I, the, the only reason I find this headline a little fascinating is because I thought there might be a chance van Dyke could come back like near the very end of the year. But this and by the end of the year, I mean like the, the football year, not, not like the end of 2021. Um, so I, I feel like this really closes the door on that. Maybe he would still come back and play a few matches for Liverpool. But to me, Wes, when I read this, this seems to me Van Dyke is probably done until the start of next Premier League season. Well, no, honestly, as a Liverpool fan, I've had no illusion he was going to be back before this season was over. Okay. Um, if anything... (laughs) You know, we as Liverpool fans are kind of like, um, 
man, I hope he's not ready for Euros. <laughs> because, I mean, we've seen how that works. That doesn't work usually when you come back from a long layoff and, oh, we're going to throw you right into the middle of this, like, high-profile, high-intensity tournament where it's like, don't play yourself back in over a few months. No, you got to go and be, like, all you can be immediately. I mean, that can lead to further breakdown coming up. I think Liverpool 101% don't want Virgil van Dijk to put on a uniform for anyone until he does it for them in August at the earliest, maybe September, maybe, maybe. We even hold him to the beginning of October. Um, and he stays right at um, Kirkby. Mm-hmm. And just works with Klopp and the rehab squad, and we have him every single day from now until the end of it. I don't want him anywhere near the Dutch national team. And I know it sucks and it's selfish because you know he wants to play for his national squad. I don't care. (laughs) Virgil van Dyke is a red, and that is who I'm worried about Virgil van Dyke playing for. So, if I need to get in the foot. This is is where we see, though, the duality of Wes. For for Virgil van Dyke, no, I don't want him playing for Holland. No, get that man healthy. Trent, what what, what do you mean he's not playing for England? Get him him on that squad. England needs to win, damn it. A, Trent's healthy, and B, damn it, England needs to win. (laughs) These are true facts. The, the, Dutch, the Dutch can rely on uh, Barcelona's Genie Van Adam. There you go. <laughs> Ronald Koeman will prepare him for that. Exactly. Um, oh, man. Um, so now we're going to get into the part where we uh, pimp some stories from the athletic. Um, Wes, would you like to take the lead on this? Uh, sure. Let me pull mine up real quick. I have three Ooh, that I I've read over the last days that I made sure I held on to. Um, let me get to my save. Here we go. Um, so we were talking about a little earlier, the player power. Mm-hmm. Um, there is an article that came out earlier today by Seth Emerson. Who I like Seth Emerson. He's the uh, Georgia beat writer on the athletic. An earthquake, a Twitter storm, and a reluctant hero inside the 72 hours that saved the 2020 college football season. Hmm. If you didn't know, we were literally a frog's nut hair away from not having college football this year. Wow. The Big Ten and the Pac-12, as we know, they were hell-bent that we were not going to play any football. Um, of all people, a, a an Australian doctor at Duke is the one who turned it. Sure. Um, Really interesting story, but it goes in there. It talks about um, it talks about some of the doctors, some of the health. It talks about the ads and the presidents, but then it also talks about the players. And um, it started with um, it was a backup running back at Clemson who's really good friends with Trevor Lawrence, and they just got to talking about it. And Trevor Lawrence was the one who sent out the tweet and said hashtag We want to play. And within a day. Um, they had gotten other players from around the country together. Apparently there was like a big like Zoom meeting. They set up like this big Zoom call with like 30 big time college football players uh, just talking to each other, kind of like a player summit over Zoom. And these guys, this included like the likes of Justin Fields, um, Matt Jones from Alabama, 
And these guys were like, you know what? We want to play. And if we want to play, we need to make sure people know that we want to play. Uh, Black Lives Matter, uh, the, um, oh, Lord, I totally forgot. I just blanked on the guy's name in Minnesota. Oh, George Floyd. George Floyd. Sorry. I've seen him on TV the last few days, and I just completely blanked on the name. In the wake of that, you were getting a lot of people saying that, oh, the only reason college football wants to play is because, you know, they're going to put these um, these poor African-American unpaid players out there so they can continue to make their millions. Well, no, at the end of the day, these players are like, wait a minute, you know, this is our life. We want to play football. And they put out a list of demands and said, look, here we want to play, and here's what you need to give us to play. It was things guaranteeing their safety, uh, guaranteeing, you know, just guaranteeing some eligibility, some things like that, which were really smart things. But the players, like you said, they found out they had power. Mm-hmm. And social media gave them a lot of that power. And it's just it's a really, really interesting read um, where basically it came down to uh, the question was, would the would the SEC play their college football season alone? Um, the ACC and the SEC were kind of um, in with each other. And then the swing was turned out to be the Big 12. Because, you know, you knew like the Pac-10 and the Big 10, they, they kind of buddy up together. Of course, they've got that long relationship. The Pac-12 was kind of the swing. And when they decided to play, that kind of gave a lot of um, validity to play in the season. But – and. Um, in about August the 10th, 11th, 12th, in that time period. And we were really, really, really close to not having college football this year. And that would have been an absolute shame because it ended up being a really cool season. Anyway, um, next, an interview inside the mind of Stephen Gerard. Simon Hughes um, has a sit-down with uh, Stevie G. They go into some really, really interesting things. His coaching philosophies, where he learned a lot of the things that he does. Um, you know, what it meant to him to go and win this title in Glasgow, um, you know, his future potentially at Liverpool, just really good in depth. I mean, it's the kind of stuff that you'd love to see from, um, the athletic. Now, Ed, I know too that I know you didn't have, I- I'm wondering if we got this one together. Randy Johnson threw a fastball and a bird disappeared. I did not include that one, but I saw that and it's hilarious. 20 years since baseball's wildest moment. Uh, they talked to, I believe, 17 people who were there. They have multiple videos of that damn bird in one mail. <laughs> oh, my God. I remember it like it was yesterday. Turn on sports. And like, what the hell just happened? He hit a bird. <laughs> I mean, it was like a one in 10 billion chance that that could have happened. And, of course, Randy Johnson. Of all people, Randy Johnson is going to nail this son of a bitch. And it just, like, disintegrates in front of our eyes. <laughs> Absolutely fantastic. Go read it. You'll laugh. It's 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 a great read, man. It's a great read. Absolutely. Um, so my couple, mine mine are mostly depressing. So that's great. Uh, <laughs> but it oh, ends in a good one. Um, yeah. Uh, the first one uh, by Philip Buckingham. Which, if there's a more English name, fuck, I don't know it. Huddersfield Town. It's like the Premier League never happened. What's the legacy? Absolutely nothing. Um, you know, we've had so many good, I think, Premier League stories over the years. Like, we've had either, we, we've had either, like, the Bournemouths and the Watfords and the, the Wolves and teams who, like, come up and they at least stay up for, like, maybe five, six years. 
and then maybe they'll drop back down, but they, they leave a mark, you know, Leicester has certainly made their mark. Um, and then you, or you have a team like Norwich who like just uh, rubber bands back up and down, up and down, never stays up for more than a year. Uh, but Huddersfield managed to stay up for a year and then everything just fell apart for them. Sheffield might be kind of the same way. Um, but this goes into a lot of what happened uh, to David Wagner's men uh, over those years from, you know, them, you know, beating Manchester United, you know, in the early parts of that season to just like needing a couple draws at the end, just to stay up for, for another year. Um, great read there. Um, similarly, uh, but with no threat of relegation, how it all went wrong for the Colorado Rockies by Ken Rosenthal and Nick Roki. God, this is this is a. Sh- it's like they're not even a shitty organization. They're just. It's just. Uh, they just got two guys in charge who are like fucking up everything. Yeah, it's it's really bad. So if you've if you're curious, and, and I know not a lot of people think about the Colorado Rockies, but still, it's a fascinating read. So uh, go check that one out. And then this one was the lead, and it really caught my eye. Um, <laughs> Uh, just just because of the name I saw in the headline, so I had to read it, of course. Um, this was actually the lead uh, on March 23rd by Bill Oram. Uh, leading with her heart, why a hug from Lakers boss Jeannie Buss meant so much to Montrez Harrell. And we know that name. We know that yeah. name, Montrez Harrell. So, yeah, he's, he's just like Todd Gurley. He also ended up in L.A., um, just like Ryan Dillon ended up in LA. There you go. It's 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 the well, Colin Rocky. County Professional Athlete Union all in LA together. <laughs> the Rocky Mount, the, the Nash County to LA pipeline is well and alive. Um, but yeah, this is a really cool story. And as someone who actively hates the Lakers, even when they, he doesn't follow much of the NBA. Um, and, and granted, I don't know much about Genie Bus. I don't know how much of this is just kind of a puff piece and how much of it is like, nope, that she's the real deal. It seems like reading some of the comments and other places, it seems like she is the real deal. Um, if, if you needed a good, a, an actual like feel good story during COVID, this is it. Uh, it goes into a lot about how Genie Bus, you know, took over for. Her father, Dr. Jerry Buss, after he passed away and she took over ownership of the team. Um, but yeah, Montres Harrell, who has been going through a lot of stuff on his his own outside of COVID, um, she really stepped up to him and 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 helped him out some. So it's a real good story. Uh, makes you feel good, even though it is about the Lakers. Um, but we can put that aside. Just know it's a good Montrez Harrell story. So, uh, so go check. Genie bus, second best genie this side of final. Two of the best, just both of them, just above I dream of. Um, oh, Marine, gorgeous. <laughs> um, so with that, let's hit the watch for uh, Wes. What you watching in the week? That was the week that will be. Um, I have not watched a lot in the last week. Um, I'm still, as I mentioned earlier, I'm on my Seinfeld kick when I'm on the treadmill. I'm up to uh, season six. Uh, George Costanza is now the assistant to the traveling secretary for the New York Yankees. <laughs> uh, the last thing I saw today, uh, the Yankees took the field in uh, shrunken cotton uniforms. <laughs> always, uh, always a good time there for old George. Perfect. Um, 
<clears throat> Kramer be Kramer, Jerry be Jerry, and Elaine now works for Mr. Pitt. <laughs> so uh, I hope I'm not spoiling Seinfeld for anybody out there. Oh, um, oh, no, 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 no. Um, I watched something. Oh, oh, um, I watched the first two episodes myself and uh, my lady. Mm. I took Dora when I said that, by the way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm super classy. Um, we watched the first two episodes of where is it? It's that um, it's that Netflix like crime docudrama about the Hotel Cecil or the Cecil Hotel, whatever the hell they call it. There it is, Crime Scene: The Vanishing at the Cecil Hotel. Okay, dude, you want to talk about a place that's just like a worthless sack of shit, but is like super freaking cool at the same time? Okay, I mean, cool is in the fact that like you know. This this place is like horrible, and no one should stay there. And people get fooled into staying there all the time when they go to hell. But it's really interesting. So it happened like a few years ago. This chick just like straight up vanished, and all they had was like this like uh, minute long video of her in an elevator, and she was acting like super weird. And then she walked out and just like disappeared. And they didn't find her for like two weeks. Hmm. Um. And I'm through the first two. It's a four. It's a four episode little miniseries. Uh, we watched the first two, and it's just it, it's neat, man. Um, they go about five ten minutes into so the Hotel Cecil. It's like downtown LA, and it's like right next to Skid Row. Ooh. And I mean, you want to talk about like maybe the most train wreck place that's not in Portland, and it's Skid Row. And um, just that part alone for me was like, oh, this was worth watching. So I uh, got to finish that one. Got two more of those to finish. But um, yeah, man, definitely. I, I would I would suggest it. If you like the crime documentary stuff, if people like those, uh, check out um, the Disappear, the Vanishing at the Cecil Hotel, even though it's called the Hotel Cecil. But anyway, <laughs> who am I? Um, have you started, uh, uh, either WandaVision or Falcon and Winter Soldier yet? Uh, I have not. And it's just because I literally haven't had like the time to sit down and do them. Hmm. But I mean, obviously they're going to get done. <laughs> going to get done, though? Yeah. It just hasn't happened yet. But when we do, I'll tell you and we'll talk about them. And maybe one day we'll talk about season nine later, Kenny. Or maybe we'll just wait. <laughs> And skip the hell that season nine either way. Um, one thing I will say, um, I'm glad to see because I didn't know this, but apparently Falcon Winter Soldier is only six episodes. Oh, uh, cool. which I like because I believe one division is either eight or nine. Right. And what I like about that is that means that Marvel slash Disney is basically saying, "Look, guys." Uh, you just you make your TV show, and you make your story, and however many episodes it is, it is. It doesn't right. doesn't have to be ten. It's like because that's what I think was really bad about the um, the Netflix Marvel shows like Daredevil and um, and Jessica Luke Jones and yeah, yeah Luke Cage. Yeah, there you could tell in the middle that there was like a good amount of padding. In there mm-hmm. that you could just like rip out, and it's like if this was like a tight seven episodes, this would have been awesome. 
Um, so it seems like that's what they're doing now on Disney Plus. So I'm I'm excited for that. Um, have not seen the first episode of Falcon Winter Soldier yet, um, but I believe I believe myself and One Name Producer Jack are going to wait until this Friday when the second episode comes out, and then we'll just go ahead and watch those two together. But uh, yeah, that's very exciting. Um, what else have I watched? Um, trying to think of anything else. Um, I watched this dude talk about um, a, a movie. I watched the first movie. I did. I never watched the second one. Uh, now you see me. Mm-hmm. It's the movie with uh, Jesse Eisenberg and uh, Woody Harrelson and uh, Dave Franco's brother. Or is it? Or is that Dave Franco? Well, James Franco's his brother. So, so no, that is Dave Franco. It's it's All not right. James. Yeah. Dave. Yeah. And uh, I think Isla Fisher is her name. Oh, Mrs. Borat? Yes. Um, yeah, so they're like magicians. And this dude is like, and apparently they made a second one and I never saw it. Um, um, also, uh, Hulk is in it. Fuck. Mark Ruffalo. Mark Ruffalo is in it. Oh, and fucking, I forgot. Um, fucking Michael Caine and... Um, I was about to say something terrible, and I can't say that. The voice of God. Um, shit. What is his name? What is his sure name? Been that recently. He was Lucius Fox in Batman. In the oh, uh, Morgan Freeman. Yeah, Morgan Freeman. Yeah. Yeah, it's actually kind of a stacked cast, shockingly. Um, yeah, they're all in this, and the basically the the point of the the little YouTube video is like, are these people actually wizards? Because some of this stuff doesn't seem like it's actually magic. It just seems like they're fucking wizards. So that was kind of funny. Um, and another YouTube video I watched that I sent to McCall and Crime West Bradshaw here um, oh. is a conversation about twenty five minutes between uh, Conan O'Brien and um, Joel McHale. And it is it is legitimately drug into it over and over. It's so it's so much fun. I I highly suggest you watch. Just just search on YouTube, uh, Joe McHale Conan, and and you'll find it. It was it's it went up less than a week ago. Um, wow, just amazing. It's you can tell it's one like they're genuinely good friends who do not mind just ripping the ever-loving shit out of each other. And it, I can really appreciate that. So yeah, this was, that is amazing. Again, so just under a half hour, go check it out. Um, just two incredibly dry, funny people who are not dry because they're actually drinking scotch. Um, but yeah, I, I truly, yeah. I, uh, I truly enjoyed it. So go, go check that out over on. Um, about the 12 minute mark when um they start talking about conan looking like a survivor of andersonville uh civil war <laughs> confederate and then of course that just goes off into a story so. <laughs> oh it was great that was, keep... I, think that was... I, I like how he's like well you're trying to get me to the airport and you keep going hey what's down that alley <laughs> let's go see <laughs> So I said to my wife, let's go three hours out of the way to look at a field where a bunch of people died of dysentery. <laughs> Why did I marry you? Why did I marry you? Oh, oh that, that, was the, uh, that was the icing on that cake for me. That was great. 
Oh, it's a fantastic go go watch it. It's it's a great one. Um, yes. But yeah, that's that's gonna do it then for the uh, the watch four here, and that'll do it for episode three fifty eight three fifty eight of the Afford Fair podcast. Um, so yeah, next week we'll come back. I'm sure something crazy will happen with England. We'll be able to talk about. Uh, we'll have more news and notes. We'll have a preview of getting back into Premier League matchups, and um, yeah, we'll just. Let's talk some more. Maybe we'll finally get into season nine of Letter Kenny, LOL. Um, so, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Once again, podcast presented by NGSC Sports at NGSCSports.com. We never stop. You can find them on the social as well as us on Twitter. We are at AFA Pod as the collective. Uh, Wes, individually, you are at Wes Bradshaw21. And I am at Edward Green. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube via our parent show the all new sports show and you can email us at all new sports show at gmail.com uh thanks to our podcast providers including podbean.com stitcher spreaker iHeartRadio, the tuning radio app google Podcasts, apple Podcasts, and spotify um so yeah we'll be back next week for more shenaniganeries um but until then uh wes anything else you want to add yeah it's um it's baseball season folks this time next week, Ed, when we hit it, when this pod comes out next week, <laughs> I had to look at it real quick. Uh, <laughs> baseball will have started, folks. You can you can listen to the pod while you watch opening day. It's going to be absolutely magnificent. Um, I'm thrilled. I'm stoked. College baseball-wise, East Carolina's ranked eighth in the country. I'm not worrying that we lost to Carolina last night, but that's just what it is. Um yeah, and go out watching baseball. You know what it's not, folks? It's not really football season. Yeah, that's true. They're not sure really playing real college football. <laughs> they're not really playing real football right now either. Exactly. Some of it, some of it's just the worst crap I've ever seen. So, <laughs> oh boy! All right, on that note. Let's get on out of here before somebody tells us this podcast was live. Um, so with that, uh, from a calling crime, West Bradshaw, I am Edward Green. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Foreign Affair Podcast. Until next week, everyone, stay safe and enjoy that international break saucy football. Get the kill switch. There's no kill switch. Good night, Division Three College, three miles down the road from my house, who I have no use for. Who shall remain nameless. Shall remain nameless. Why? Um, Because no one would care if I said the name. (laughs) No one would know. And nothing of value was lost. Oh, man. You're listening to NGSC Sports Radio. Hear us live on NGSCSports.com where you can get awesome analysis for all things sport. Or check out our podcasts on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, iTunes, TuneIn, and much more. For our latest videos, head to NGSC Sports' YouTube channel. Follow us on Twitter at NGSC Sports and like us on Facebook. NGSC Sports. We never stop.